everybody, and welcome back to 1986. It's the limited series from the A Film By podcast. I am Jeff Johnson, and I have a studio full of typical hairless apes today. Uh, let me start off with David Burns and Scott Hoffman. Hello, guys. Hello. How are you? Excellent. Doing good. Uh, and then pleased to uh, to welcome the return of our friends, Cameron and Alec from the Comically Unaware podcast. Gentlemen, hello. Hey there. Are the, the, are the duck puns already starting now? Oh, yeah. Excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You go. better quack yourself, they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm go. channeling Vincent Price's egghead the whole time. <laughs> oh, good, good Lord. Good Lord. Well, listen, it is September, and we are starting with uh, the worst week ever. No, we're not, not going to have a bad week. But uh, we've talked a lot about the movies of 1986, and we just felt it would be wrong not to give a little bit of attention to the two movies that were tied for worst picture of the year. So talking about Howard the Duck and Under the Cherry Moon, uh, we're going to be focused on Howard the Duck uh, for this episode. And then bonus episode this Friday, you can come back and hear all about Under the Cherry Moon. He's like many of us, mired in the routine of upward mobility. But all that is about to change with an unexpected trip to a place called Cleveland. A romance with a girl named Beverly. He's my and an adventure beyond the imagination of the average duck. The duck's a lunatic! George Lucas presents Howard the Duck, a Willard Hike film, a Gloria Katz production, rated PG. Now at select theaters, check newspapers. First off, uh, Alec, Cameron, I want to I talk about one of the reasons, well, or the main reason, hopefully, uh, that you decided to uh, join us today. Because you guys have a little bit of a Howard the Duck history, right? Yeah, Howard doesn't like us very much. Um, so for our podcast, we recorded an episode on Howard the Duck, and due to uh, unforeseen technical issues, it was uh, lost to the to the sky. You know, it's gone. It's in space. It's with the uh, the with overlords the with the dark overlords. <laughs> it was trapped with them. So uh, all that hard work and you know, uh, watching this movie is the hardest part of that work. Was all gone. So we are. Uh, we got to get this out of our system in some kind of way. It's been like building up, like we're, you know, we're taken over by the overlord. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will give you that opportunity today. Uh, Scott, am I correct in assuming that uh, you did not see this in 1986? You actually saw this recently for the first time? Yeah, this was the first time ever seeing it. And I just dove right in with both feet and bought the God, I'm sorry. 4K Blu-ray <laughs> special edition uh, before it sold out. So thank God I was able to get it. <laughs> Woo, barely, barely got that one, huh? Just under the wire. Yeah. So listen, Scott, I think I think we have to ask you the question then. Um, your first impressions overall. After watching it? Yeah. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's shuddering, shuddering with terror, um, and um, baffled by the uh, the cult following this has. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it has it, but I just kept like staring at the screen, like, why? Like, what is it? Like, we've seen bad ones. We've seen Dave. You and I have talked with Jeff about a couple of bad movies that we have that we disagree I mean, with him on. Yeah, yeah we can I mention them or not. But this was oof. This was bad. 
Dave, Dave is is Howard the Duck. Scott mentions the the big cult following this thing has. Is it really that bad, Dave? In today's terms, it absolutely is. When <laughs> oh, I on. when I when I saw it back in the eighties, it might have been a little bit different because I was younger, immature, you know, didn't have really good taste when it comes to films. But the older I got, and going back and watch it again, I'm like, yeah. And, not and you're saying you're saying even even Leah Thompson uh, can't save this one for you. That is that is the only thing that I think I like <laughs> about this movie is her. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, all right. Uh, Hey Cameron, uh, you so you guys, I mean you've you've had some fun with uh, some comic book themed movies on your podcast, but you primarily you guys you dive into like some really good um, stories that that are in the comics, like classic stuff, new stuff, you know, very educational. If uh, you're the uninitiated when it comes to comics, um, what kind of background do you guys have on on Howard the Duck? Uh, you know, we both kind of knew the basics about Howard the Duck before we did our episode. And, um, you know, since then, I feel like we've become experts at Howard the Duck. And, you know, Alec even has a couple very interesting facts about, you know, the the creation of him. But I feel like this movie, if you just watch this movie, you think these comics are going to be just dreadful and awful because I don't this is nothing close to how he is in the comics and in the comics he's just so great he's so funny and such a smart ass and talks like he's from the 1950s no matter who he's talking to which always gets him in trouble you know calling people like she hulk doll you know gonna get him in trouble real quick but you know the comics are fantastic so i don't know what george lucas saw to make this movie but you know he, he went for it. All right. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> all right. Alec, uh, Cam, Cam says you have uh, some, some Howard knowledge for us. Yeah. So just an interesting thing that, uh, so Howard the Duck, technically speaking in the Marvel comics nowadays is not the Howard the Duck that we know. He is an imposter. Uh, so the uh, creator of um, Howard the Duck, whose name I'm trying to remember, I have it here somewhere, uh, Steve Gerber he does not have the rights to the character anymore. And so, but he somehow with Marvel was still able to write Howard the Duck. And so there was a comic run, I think in the early 2000s, uh, where he wrote Howard the Duck and he was writing one for Destroyer Duck, another character that he has. And these, these uh, Destroyer Duck is not a Marvel character. He's an independently owned character. And so these stories are going concurrently at the same time. And they end up in a warehouse at the end, uh, in the Marvel one, Howard the Duck goes off and he's fine. But in the Destroyer Duck one, there's a slightly altered story where there's all these magical clones of Howard the Duck made. And the one that goes away in the Marvel one is a clone. And the one in the Sav- or the Destroyer Duck comic is the real Howard the Duck. And then he gets put in witness protection, gets his hair dyed. He and Beverly go back to another universe. And so in a sneaky roundabout way, the Howard the Duck in the Marvel comic universe after that is not the real Howard. He's not the original. So uh, this uh... multiverse is getting complex. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was kind of a way for, for Gerber to kind of be like, listen, that's not the real Howard. Wink. You know, like. Give me the Duckiverse. Give me the Duckiverse. <laughs> so we ended, up with, we ended up with the Ben Riley Howard the Duck? Yeah, pretty much. Basically. <laughs> that's where it all I went. need the Clone Saga. But with oh, ducks, that would be so great. Oh, oh I would no, love it. No. 
Uh, well, before we get going too deep into the marsh, uh, Scott, you got a PSA for us? Yeah. So um, I feel like we've talked about this before, but uh, 1986 um, was a, a huge year for uh, comics. And there's a lot of people that think it's one of the most important years in comic history. Uh, Mark Wade, uh, behind Kingdom Come, um, once said it's in the world of superhero comics, the pivotal moment wasn't a specific publication. It was a specific year, 1986. So if you kind of look at all the things that we got out of it, um, it's when Art Spiegelman um, published Mouse as a graphic novel. Hmm. Um, Dark Horse Comics was founded in 86, which gave us, of course, like Hellboy, 300, Sin City, a ton of things. Um, Frank Miller in that year redefined Batman with Dark Knight Returns. Um, in the same year, he collaborates with uh, Bill... Sinkevich, am I saying his name right? Uh, for Electra Assassin, um, same year that uh, Daredevil has the Born Again run um, with Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. Great uh, run. DC is uh, reshaping its entire multiverse into one universe with the wrap up of uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths um, by my all time favorite creative team, Marv Wolfman and George Perez. I just love them. And um, we also get Alan Moore with Watchmen. Uh, in the same year that he has the famous Superman story, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, um, John Byrne relaunching Man of Steel, Mutant Massacre in X-Men. Um, and yet for some reason, for our first big screen Marvel movie from George Lucas as a follow-up to Return <laughs> of the Jedi from the creative duo behind Temple of Doom with special effects maestro Phil Tippett of all the Marvel properties available, we get Howard the Duck <laughs> in 86 in one of the biggest uh, years in comics history is just, I don't know. I mean, this we get, but we can't get the X-Men cartoon in the animation style yeah. of G.I. Joe off the ground. <laughs> I, it, it baffles me. Surprise <laughs> comics didn't fold entirely after this. <laughs> oh, God. They were on the brink <laughs> of it. They're like, never that mind. Is... We, we're, it was a good year, but forget it. This is too far. No thanks. I don't think it's that... coincidence. We didn't see another Marvel movie for a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's get into this one. Talking about directors, Willard Hike is not the first choice. Lucas goes to his buddy, John Landis, who reads a script and then turns it down because of the all too similar cop car crashes that he felt was uh, too close to the movie he just did the blues brothers mm -hmm. dave is he is he just being kind to lucas or or is there more to it i i'm sure that is going back to the creative differences that we always see creative just saying differences. That, yeah uh, i'm sure that was him just saying yeah i don't want any part of this because this looks terrible <laughs> <laughs> well dave before we uh you know before we move on to other other cast and crew I got to believe that some some people have not seen Howard the Duck. Maybe their their first uh, introduction was in uh, in the, the new MCU. Uh, can you can you uh, take the VHS uh, copy out and flip that thing over and, and give us a, a reading of what what is Howard the Duck all about? I would be more than happy to do that. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a duck. Howard the Duck, to be exact, who finds himself sucked right out of his world and dropped right smack in the middle of Cleve Land. Here he meets Beverly Switzer, played by Leah Thompson, who for one can't believe she has met a walking and talking duck, but that he also has a tiny little condom 
kept in his wallet. Howard does his best to try and fit in, but being a duck in a world of hairless apes, also known as humans, is not as easy as it sounds. All Howard wants is to go home, but things seem to get worse as some scientists try to help, but instead bring something else to Earth. Based off of Marvel's comic book series of the same name, Howard the Duck must face his fate and find a way to save the world, the girl, and possibly find a way home. That movie sounds awesome. But it's not. <laughs> uh, Alec, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you first. Uh, Howard initially is cast. Uh, Robin Williams is playing Howard the Duck. He quits after one week because of the voice syncing with his voice and the, the duck's bill. He can't, he doesn't have the freedom to do a lot of his uh, ad-libbing that he's famous for. So he, he bails. Uh, John Cusack, Martin Short, and Chip Zine all audition. I don't know why Cusack and Short didn't get it, but uh, they end up, Lucas ends up going with, uh, with this guy, Chip Zine. Is this the right voice for Howard? Um, I don't hate the voice for Howard. I'll say like, I kind of picture him almost more of like a, like a 1940s gumshoe kind yep. of. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't hate the voice for it. I think it definitely, um, he can be a little whiny though, I'll say, but that could just be the dialogue. Yeah. So it's okay. It's not, you know, blowing my hair back, but I, I think it's, it works for what they're trying, I think. Well, you're, I think you're right with the, the, the 40s, 50s gumshoe guy, because the movie does have like a noir feel to it, especially mm -hmm. at the beginning on Duck World. It just, you know, he's, and he's got like, he's the cigar chomping, he's drinking whiskey. It does feel more like that hard boiled detective feel to it. Um, I'm just wondering how this guy beat out Martin Short. I mean, that that's weird. Well, what but. seems weird to me is like the whole Robin Williams thing. If it's if it's George Lucas that's heading this up, and if George is always like, I just watched Light and Magic on Disney Plus, and he's always wanting to push the envelope and push technology and things like that. We saw in Little Shop of Horrors in '86 what they were able to do with uh, with the lip movement in puppetry. So if they could have done the same kind of thing and applied it to actually recording Robin Williams dialogue and then maybe shooting at that higher speed to help match it. I think this could have been a very different movie. I think you're right. Uh, I mean, Lucas spends $2 million on the suit and the, the, the head, the, the, you know, it's got the animatronics in it, mm -hmm. but it also has the, the jaws curse of most of the suits are not working. <laughs> they they break down, they blow up, they one caught on fire. So, Jeez. oh my god! I, you know, and and keep in mind they had a kid initially. They had a kid playing the, the in the in the costume. So, I can't imagine child services being okay with this. So. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not. I heard that the kid like had a um, a really hard time with it because it was like this claustrophobic feeling of finally being in this completely enclosed suit. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, fortunately, they uh, they tap Ed Gale. You know, he was one of the stuntmen mm -hmm. uh, that was playing Howard. Uh, Dave, this guy actually has quite a quite a filmography, right? He does. Yeah, I mean, he's he's done Spaceballs. He uh, 
probably, I mean, obviously Howard's probably his famous character, but he also, uh, like what, two or three of the child's play movies where he's Chucky. Yeah. He's, he's, he's done a ton and Chucky. of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Ducky and Chucky. <clears throat> nice. And station. Ducky and, and journey. <laughs> he's station he's, and bogus journey. Yeah. Bill says bogus journey. I well, he's did part of that. station, I guess in bogus journey, but yeah. oh wow. All right. Uh, let's talk about Beverly for a quick second. Um, Obviously, we got Leah Thompson, the very vivacious Leah Thompson, does her own singing uh, for the, yep. the group Cherry Bomb, which I thought she was. I thought she did a really good job, honestly. Mm-hmm. Here's who almost was Beverly, though. So, uh, Gloria Katz, uh, Willard Hike, and and uh, George Lucas—they're looking, they're considering Paul Abdul, Kim mm-hmm. Basinger, and Sarah Jessica Parker. Not not bad. Here's where it gets interesting. Phoebe Cates and Tori Amos, of all people, auditioned and didn't get the part. Leah Thompson yeah. beat both of those those two out. Yeah. Uh, Cam, is this a different like how different is this movie if uh, if one of these ladies is in the role? Is it better? Is it could it be better? I, I feel like Leah Thompson actually nails her part. Um, yes. I mean, I'll take Phoebe Cates and literally anything. I, I don't <laughs> give a shit what it is. It could be the worst movie ever, but it's Phoebe Cates. So, you know, but I feel like for what she does, you know, which is seducing a duck to try to get. So ducks have corkscrew penises for anyone that doesn't know. Um, I felt the need to bring that up because she, I think she would die, but she does a good job at like working off this nothingness that you know there's no emotion coming off howard because the the suit as realistic as it may be for 1986 doesn't have much emotion in its face Mm -hmm. so i feel like she actually does a great job so i don't think especially someone like paula abdul who i don't think is a great actress i mean she's a fantastic performer but I don't know how much she could have done that Leah Thompson did not do. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. she's actually the best, best choice for this role. Yeah. And she loves this movie too. Uh, in, in 86, she's, she's got a pretty full dance cart because she's hot off of back to the future. Mm-hmm. She does space camp, which we covered. And then she's in Howard the duck. And then she goes on obviously to have a very successful career. So I think they made the right call with Leah Thompson. Absolutely. No, I was gonna say uh, Leah Thompson. She still has the Les Paul guitar that she uses in the movie. Oh, that's yeah, isn't awesome! It, isn't it yeah. called Cherry Bomb? Yeah, yeah. And she learned <laughs> how to play guitar for this movie. I know. So, I mean, you got to give it credit. Like Leah Thompson is one of the the major draws of this for me to this movie. I mean, obviously, Back to the Future, tremendous fan, and mm-hmm. love Leah Thompson. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think for for all of its flaws, she does a really great job. But it's kind of like the dialogue just hamstrings so much of it that it's getting mm. like it's it's almost an okay movie it just needs a couple of things taken away and a couple other things well, nudged forward we'll get to that here in a little bit but uh yeah. scott you are a big you are a big back to the future fan yeah. uh did you did you catch the back to the future easter egg or or duck egg as it is uh when he's getting zapped out of his apartment and yeah uh, they the get chair the fire trails the, Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like yep. that. I think that was that was a nice touch. Yep. Speaking of a nice touch, the music. I mean, I'm talking about the score because we got um who is it? Is it uh Thomas Newman, the blinded me with science guy from the 80s? He's doing a lot of the music, like the cherry bomb stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we have 
Dave, and I'm looking at you here. Oh yeah. We've, we've got John Barry. Oh yeah. Who is one of the greatest composers ever. Uh, Dave, why, why is he such a big deal? He has in, a in like laundry. This? He has a laundry list of, of scores that he has done over the years, but um, the music in this, in, in, I felt the music was too good for this movie when it came to John Barry's score. Because if you, if you really listen to it, there is at times it sounds like Dances with Wolves. It really, really does. And to me, that is one of John Barry's best scores is Dances with Wolves. Um, but you can hear elements of that in, in this throughout that. But my understanding is they didn't use, they threw out a lot of his score because they felt it was too serious. Yeah. So, so they, they got rid of it. Yeah. Here's, here's what is, is crazy to me. So first off, yeah, he's, I mean, we're talking about a guy who has won five Academy Awards for for best score. Yep. He wins one the year they're making this movie. Uh, he wins for Out of Africa mm-hmm. uh, in in 1986. So, and yeah, you mentioned Dances with Wolves. There there are hints of it. What I got uh, recently watching this, um, you can hear a lot of the the subtle Bond themes. You can. You're right. And that's what. And so I I kind of I went I went I went digging and I was like, wait a minute. This is the guy that created created the Bond mm-hmm. theme for the first Doctor first film, Doctor No, and then went on to do eleven of the Bond films before winning a bunch of Academy Awards. Yeah, and to your point, Dave, Gloria Katz considered his score a little too serious and too a little fashioned. boring. Too old fashioned yeah. is what she said. Yep, old fashioned. Yeah, old fashioned is what she's quoted as saying. Yep. So she hires Sylvester LeVay to rescore. A, a big chunk of it and most pretty much all the third act. And mm-hmm. if you're paying attention, the music is dramatically different in the third act to the point where you're like, wait, what, what happened to Barry? Did he, did he just have a stroke and he's <laughs> on a different movie or, or what's going on? I, I don't I don't, you know, there's a lot of bad decisions made on this movie mm-hmm. between cats and, and hike, but, but uh, you know, shit cannon, you know, a, a large portion of an amazing uh, conductor and composer's work is is got to be one of those big mistakes. I think. I, I, I'm sure Satan sluts had something to do with it. I'm sure. <laughs> I I don't know. I just don't know. Um. So it's weird. We we don't have Andrew Blakely, uh, the pride of Cleveland, on this on this. You know, of all people, of all, of all people, people. Who be on this one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, he always, if there's any, any chance to, to highlight the, the beauty of Cleveland, Andrew Blakely is quick to, to jump on that, but I don't really know that we're getting the beauty of Cleveland, uh, when Howard is beamed down, uh, outside the, uh, the cherry bomb concert, it looks, it looks like a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what do you guys think was it filmed in cleveland because there's definitely palm trees in some of the shots i don't think it was filmed because of the palm trees yeah but. yeah <laughs> which leads yeah and alec that's a good eagle eye because there are palm trees and my my mm-hmm. whole question is if you're gonna have if you're gonna show palm trees why why does it have to be cleveland right because you know, i could understand if he went to like you know a game or or something but all we see of Cleveland is this terrible alleyway outside the 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 club, you know, where Cherry Bomb plays, which looks kind of like a an urban double deuce. You know, they got the the chain link protecting the band, and just looks <laughs> oh just God. looks awful. 
uh, we've connected this movie somehow to Roadhouse and Dances with Wolves. I don't think I ever <laughs> thought that would happen. I know. Uh, let's talk I will say, about, though, you know, for, for Cleveland, just to jump in real quick, Howard the Duck is based in Cleveland in the comics. Oh, so that's okay. just more kind of lip service to, to the character. See, that makes sense then. See, this is why I invited the experts <laughs> yep. onto the episode. <laughs> okay. Um, I wish Andrew was with us, though, so he could confirm or deny the um i'll just call it the sex club that howard gets a job at because <laughs> i don't know what else you'd call it he's walking around and like it's all steamy house bath houses you yeah know, people are getting on and what a non-sequitur honestly like that what what, what a bathhouse that's like like that is putting in wrecks to the to people like at, in the employment office like yeah i feel like that's like a shady underground business and they're like come on down we'll we'll hire you if you need to if you need a job you didn't know I mean, that they uh they reach out to uncle phil's mom that's uncle phil's mom from uh, fresh prince by the way yes oh I yeah i love oh, her whoa, you're right she's fantastic yeah. virginia capers yeah she's fantastic could yeah. she could she not have what was Joe Roma's uh, Cajun sushi not hiring because that looked like an interesting place to, to eat? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Well, hot, you know, hot tub fever needed a water expert. Oh, that's, oh, that's right. right. He called yeah. it a water expert. I feel right. like it's a little right. racist just to assume that this <laughs> yes. duck maybe is speciesist. Yeah, he's an advertising <laughs> copywriter. He has no water expertise. Look at his yeah. resume. At least you dick. I mean, come on. <laughs> Well, that's one of the points where it kind of feels like it's like somebody saying we want to make a Fritz the Cat movie and then you get the Garfield cartoon. Like, yeah, there's so much adultness to this with like Play Duck magazine and the topless duck in the tub in like the first 10 minutes yeah. of this movie. And he works in like a a disgusting place like Hot Tub Fever. Like, I did not watch this with my kid. Yeah. How and on is, the box, it it's all this how about like how? it's a fun family movie. I'm like, there's nothing family no. about this. Stop no. it. No, not at all. <laughs> it's not even close. So wait, uh Cam, uh, Scott, you're you're both fathers. Are you are you saying that you're not gonna sit down with the children to watch Howard the Duck? Never. <laughs> if my daughter ever finds out about this movie, I'm going to slap the iPad out of her hand before she can turn it on. <laughs> no! Here, watch watch this five-second cameo at the end of Guardians if you want to see Howard the Duck. Or watch Darkwing Duck. I have plenty of other ducks for you to watch. Don't watch this. This is terrible. <laughs> or the new duck. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I'm thinking about showing it to my youngest, to Jude, because he's a big star Wars fan. Um, he knows George Lucas, you know, for better, or for worse. And he keeps looking at the box. Like I've got the box laying around the house and he's like, huh. And I, I honestly have been wondering if Howard's eyes are going to freak him out because those are one of the things with this movie that just, they're very disturbing eyes. <laughs> I'm sorry. To the, the people they're that so made creepy. Them, yeah. As the adults, they freaked me out. Yeah. yeah there's like, there's <laughs> twinges of Chucky in there. Like I know that for, um, I think for the Crypt Keeper, they used Chucky's eyeballs. Yeah. And I really wanted to look into this to see if they also used the same eyes for Howard because they're just so like, ah. I know. But I know if what you can it's... get past that, then sure, we'll give it a shot. You know, it's horrible. <laughs> so jump right in. I now want to see a Chucky versus Howard the Duck. 
That's what I want to see. Oh, Thanks, man. Scott. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that would be an awesome movie to watch. Scott, G- I appreciate- Guillermo del Toro's uh, Chucky versus uh, <laughs> Howard. I would yes. watch the shit out of. Yep. Oh, that's that is the movie that we need. Uh, Scott, I appreciate your concern for for young Jude, because um, I know when we were talking on Ferris, you were you were all fine with him hacking into computers and, and, <laughs> and stealing cars and stuff. But exactly. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm concerned though, or confused. Cause you seem to be, you seem to be uh, worried about Howard's eyes. Uh, I would be worried about the, the neighbors, the neighbor ducks nipples. Oh yeah. In, I in mean, I've, got, very... I've got to skip like hot tub <laughs> yeah. fever and the top of the stuck in the first <laughs> yeah. five minutes and probably is... pulling out the egg shaped condom yeah. out of his wallet yeah. which is weird yep. if they have a corkscrew penis yep why does it have to be shaped like an egg uh, like, they they didn't research that i'm guessing they needed me on there to provide the uh deck anatomy lessons yeah, <laughs> yeah. cameron is the uh he's, he's a comic book expert and happens to know a whole lot maybe too much about waterfowl <laughs> don't look like. at my search history um <laughs> i just picture george lucas like typing in like Okay, oh, duck, penis, egg. <laughs> like, I need to look at that man's, him and Jabba. Oh. Alec, in Howard's apartment, he's got some nice uh, film prints of Splashdance and Breeders of the Lost Stork. Uh, if you end up on Duck World, which movie are you going to go see first? Breeders of the Lost Stork sounds like a porno. Am I, am I the only one? I was like, that doesn't, no, that, that pun doesn't work well, I feel like. Not it, at all. They tried like, so hard just for the pun that they didn't even think about what the story might like. There is no way that that is an Indiana Jones no. movie at all. Like, it's Well, I mean, porn. granted, Howard pulls out a, a play duck, so maybe he's just yeah. a big perv and has, has those kind of <laughs> things on his wall. Uh, I guess I'd see, I'd probably see that just to be like, what is this? Yeah. But because... Splash dance. I don't know that, that I, I feel like it's just gonna be dancing ducks. At least, at least a adventure <laughs> movie might be a little bit more interesting. I'm uh, mad that they didn't have a, like a, a stork wars or I don't know. Yeah, another, that pun, another pun for a, a bird that goes with star Wars, but you know, well, Lucas, take a look at the top yeah. of that British lost stork uh, poster, because I think it says something like from the creator of beaks. Oh, really? So there's a, there's a oh, jaws pun or a job I like it. Off somewhere I, would, I would watch that that's cool that sounds that's cool. good okay yeah yeah beaks would probably be the one to watch <laughs> it's a double feature with tusk and you can yeah. eat some duckaroni while you're watching it <laughs> oh yeah uh we love talking product placement uh yeah duckaroni what what we got some other ones didn't we uh was it rolling what, rolling egg was uh, yeah rolling egg was rolling yeah. stone oh man <laughs> dave uh let's talk about tim robbins for a second mm-hmm It's amazing. Man's oldest fantasy. Across a sea of stars. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a duck. He's hot off of Top Gun, you know, playing Merlin. We talked about Top Gun. And now he's Phil. In a, a, Howard a the bum- Duck. Bumbling wannabe scientist? Yes, yeah, he he's well, he's yeah, he's a lab assistant or something. Yeah, he's a lab assistant. To, yeah, he goes way over the top, I think, because yes, he does. and, and it, it it amazes me watching this recently because he's fun 
and maybe he just dialed it up thinking that he was just going to be entertaining children. But this is, this is, this is Andy Dufresne. Yeah. You know, this is the guy that escaped Shawshank and to see how far he's come. <laughs> it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's good that a, a, a museum still hired him after he did, you know, hard time and escaped from prison. So I'm proud, of, <laughs> proud of society for giving a man a second chance. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, we got ourselves uh, some Ferris Bueller alumni in this. So yeah. um, Jeffrey Jones playing Jennings slash the Dark Overlord, <laughs> and then uh, one of your uh, one of your favorite guys, um, uh, what's his name, Scott? Mister Richard Edson, yes, otherwise known as Dennis Juarez, garage attendant extraordinaire <laughs> from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> That's right. He's yeah. absolutely in this, wearing yeah. his biggest pimp hat that he possibly yeah. can. Uh, Scott, I'm going to go ahead and give you credit right now because uh, to everyone listening, if you didn't listen to the Ferris Bueller's Day Off episode we did a couple weeks back, uh, we got to prequel, sequel, remake. Scott has this amazing idea for not a prequel, not a sequel, not a remake. It was like a sidequel. And he talks about how he wants to see the two garage attendants that steal the Lambert, uh, the, the Ferrari. He wants to see their day. And their adventure because uh it was like what they drove at 186 and three three fourths yeah. miles or whatever yeah. What was <laughs> yeah i paid way too much attention to the mileage <laughs> but it seems so, like you know 180 miles in a john hughes universe it's not a bad trip yeah and here's what's uh, here's what's incredible we record that episode and then several days later the creators of the cobra kai series on netflix announce that their their next project is exactly what scott you know wants to see they're you doing need to get some money man you <laughs> oh I mean, man i would be know, suing <laughs> hey i i don't need a lot just have me just have me on set the day that mia sarah is there that, maybe, yeah maybe, the cameo on the show i'll take it well they could have you as the parking attendant in this universe and yeah. then we just keep going and keep going and keep going exactly Perfect. i'll just have to practice saying uh, you guys have nothing to worry about i'm a professional <laughs> see you got it yeah. down See, yeah dave i got a good theory for you yeah okay uh i don't know if you noticed but uh david pamer is in this mm -hmm. um so very you know i i always remember him first and foremost i think he was ira of ira and barry in city slickers but the guy oh, has yeah. got a very prolific career he plays um scientist in howard the duck and he has a brief scene but he also did another movie in 1986 that we're going to be discussing next month called night of the creeps mm -hmm. where he plays scientist <laughs> He's good at it. My theory is, do we have a share? And think about this. Uh, Howard the Duck obviously is an alien, came from another dimension, like mm -hmm. the Dark Overlords. Um, the, the slugs, as they are in Night of the Creeps, they come from another, from an alien technology. Is David Pamer the key to a shared universe between Night of the Creeps and Howard the Duck? And if so, <laughs> what kind of, what kind of cross cross film can we get with that because we're already talking about chucky and howard but you know night, night of the creeps meets howard the duck that could be crazy because he plays the exact same person in two different movies in the same year so what are your thoughts dave i am all on board for this i mean we have the multiverse with dc we have the multiverse with marvel come on Wait, let, let's create the howard duck here we've already been talking about it at the beginning let's let's do it yeah 
I say someone call Fred Decker, uh, who gave us Monster Squad and gave us Night of the Creeps, and hook him up with Howard the Duck and and see what we can come up with. So, but yeah, I thought the David Pamer. Anytime we have a David Pamer uh, concern, we're gonna go to David Burns to uh, <laughs> get his his expert David opinion. <laughs> uh, Scott, let's talk about some of the good stuff about this movie. I know you guys are wait. I see you guys just salivating, waiting to tear it down. But uh, let, Scott, uh, give me something that you thought was really, really cool about this movie that you liked. Well, I feel like, I mean, a lot of it we've already talked about. I mean, you've got um, people that put a lot of uh, <laughs> people that put a can't. lot. They put a lot into this. Like when you hear Leah Thompson look back on it, when you hear Ed Gale look back on it, clearly they were putting a lot into it. But there were so many flaws; it was just hard to get around it. I think. If you look at kind of the core, you've got Ed Gale is a fantastic performer. Leah Thompson does a great job. You've already got a, a lot of great actors in place. You've got a lot of great technology with the first kind of self-contained suit that allows you to do these things. I feel like it comes down to dialogue and story. Where well, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Flat. We're talking... Wait, hold on. I know, the, I know about, the good things. Wait, I know we're the talking things. about good things. So the good things. This is the Scott like answer, Jeff. This is yeah, the Scott answer. So it sounds like right, you're saying yeah. dialogue and story are good things uh, because that's what I asked the question. All right, good things. Actors now you, and special okay. events. All right, his his too long didn't read answer. Uh, <laughs> Alec, is there a is there a scene that you just love in this movie or that you thought, man, I don't know how they pulled that off or. It's like your go-to scene when when you're forced to watch Howard the Duck. Um, I mean, I like the end when they're facing the the Overlord when he's like full monster. I'm oh, always yeah. a big fan of like big kind of like CGI. Not like like nowadays where it's just all CGI monster and stuff, but like big special effects and how they're pulling it off. So I, I liked that. You know the the design of the Overlord was interesting. It 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 kind of reminded me of um, like uh, the Ed Two Hundred Nine. And how it moved, yeah, um, from uh, uh, Robocop, where he's you know like kind of real, um, like it's very obvious it's stop motion, but that's kind of to its benefit, where it's using mm -hmm. like the jerkiness of the motion to its like make it look more, un like not you know human and just very alien. So I, I like that, like I like the end, and also it's you know it, towards the end too, so that that doesn't hurt either. <laughs> well, and the thing more, has like a. Uh... What was that, Dave? I was gonna say there's more like the Ray Harryhausen. How yeah, he did it does the, have the animation that kind of yeah. style. Yeah. Well, I can see like that when you mentioned like the Ed two hundred nine, like especially when his uh, like the tendril gets cut off and he kind of rears back and looks at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for that's sure. That's a that's very reminiscent of Ed two hundred nine and that kind of thing. The thing also mm -hmm. is straight nightmare fuel because it no, looks like terrifying. a cross. Yeah, it's like a cross between the Rancor from Jedi. Uh, scorpion and then like the predator's face so yeah <laughs> i can't think of something more terrifying to have to fight you know at least in 1986 i, I don't know if there is something can See, i throw in I, my answer for this uh question yeah yeah well? uh, you yeah because, you were next uh, on the list uh, what do you got one, for us Cam? the one scene that i love more than anything in the entire universe is the howard the duck throwing pies i have never laughed harder in my entire life at how funny it looks because his elbow doesn't bend and so you know they're at the diner he starts throwing pies but his elbow doesn't bend so it's like he's handing these people's faces pie and they just are dying from it and he's just like 
that. And man, the the first time I watched, well, not first time overall, but when me and Alec watched it, I woke my family up at like midnight laughing so hard at this part because it was just so stupid but so fun at the same time that I was just like oh what am I watching like it felt like a fever dream well and you know credit again to to uh to Ed Gale because that's a lot of physicality he's doing in that scene oh, yeah. running running across the bar and swinging on the the uh the check thing and you know throwing pies and keep we gotta keep in mind he is virtually blind inside this costume. Yep. Like he did a lot of walking backwards, uh, you know, to hear him Jeez. talk about his time on the movie, you know, before they, they say, uh, you know, action, he's walking. If he's got to walk 11 steps towards Leah Thompson, he's walking 11 steps backwards and he's just going by, by feel, you know? Uh, so I think that's incredible that he does a lot of the stuff he does in this movie as well as he does. All right. Dave, uh, something that you that you just enjoy about Howard the Duck. No, well, there's not a lot there, but um, you know, I'm I'm agreeing with everybody for sure. You know, those are all good points to make. Um, I like the, the beginning stuff when he was in his own his own world. I, I I found that stuff interesting, trying to look in the background to see what was all there and what all they were trying to um, you know, make it look like it was our world copying into uh, Howard the Duck's world. But I'm going to go back to John Barry's score. Uh, you know I'm a big music guy when it comes to uh, oh, composers yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, I, I love John Barry's work, so and I thought his score was pretty good. Too bad we didn't get to hear all of it. I'll be honest. Uh, you know, it's got this movie's got a cult following. I'm in the cult. Uh, you know, I will readily say it is a bad movie, but for me, it's one of those so bad it's good. Like I, if I'm bored and it's three o'clock in the morning, I might want to turn it on just for just to have some fun. Uh, I also now, like Scott, own the 4K Blu-ray, so I have no excuses. I don't even have to find it on streaming. Um, one thing I really thought was cool, and again, for those of you that have bought the 4K streaming or the 4K Blu-ray, uh, there's some cool behind-the-scenes stuff and making of, and uh, they're talking about the stunts because Ed Gale, obviously, uh, you know, he's an actor, but he's also a stuntman, and there is an amazing chase sequence where they're using a Quicksilver MX. It's like a little lightweight flying apparatus. Uh, Tim Robbins and Howard, they're trying to escape the police. And I got to say, like, the stuntman doing that did an incredible job because this is there's no CGI. It's, it's all mm -hmm. just physical. You know, this guy flying this thing, you know, in camera, doing all this, all the stuff it had to do. I thought that was a blast. I thought that was pretty cool. And I also thought it was kind of ironic because Ed Gale was quick to point out on the behind the scenes, he does all his stunts, but he did not do the uh, the flying stunt uh, on the Quicksilver. So I'm thinking that's probably the biggest stunt, and and he didn't. That's the one he said, uh, uh, "No, I'm not doing that one." But I think that one's pretty cool. Um, and there's no way they would do that today. That would all be no. CGI, green screen, all of it. And he wouldn't Absolutely. be able to fly backwards just to learn it. Like yeah. you've got a one and done. You crash that, and it's goodbye, Tim Robbins. Yep. That's, that's true. That's true. All right, so let's let's talk reality. Uh, they make this movie for thirty-seven million dollars. It only makes sixteen million dollars. So bad that overseas they changed the name of the film from Howard the Duck to Howard, a new breed of hero. Hoping <laughs> that, that the U I don't know. I don't know what the UK audience. I, I don't know if they were fooled by that or not. But uh, 
this was also the last movie that uh, Willard Hike ever directed. And Shocker. then the, yeah. And then the head of the studio, um, he resigned, he, like he left after this movie. So it's also a lot of damage to be sold. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. Good, good point, Alec. Um, Lucas well, the story, Alec, I think is Lucas was, was bankrolling Howard the duck, assuming it would put him back in the black. Cause he also had just built Skywalker studio or Skywalker yep. ranch. Yep. And then he sells, he sells a uh, Pixar off, right? Yeah. He sold it to Steve jobs at a above market rate that, you know, since they're friends and that's what kind of got him back into back into the black. I did not know that about Steve jobs. That's, that's kind of cool. I like it. So, so after Howard, oh. we still get Jar Jar George. <laughs> Well, you'd think Scott, he'd learn his lesson. <laughs> Scott, you know George isn't the best at writing dialogue. I know. He's we, the kind of guy that doubles down instead we, of yeah. learning from his mistakes. Yeah, yeah. We, we've discussed this on three <laughs> other podcasts. <laughs> we have, we have. Uh, all right, so let's let's get into it. Uh, I'm going to start with Cam this time. Cam, why did this movie fail? The, honestly, I think it boils down to lack of the source material it just like we don't see this detective do anything detective like at all like you know it's he he's so far away from being howard the duck in the comics that if you went for that you'd be disappointed if you went for you know a fun little romance i don't know why the hell you would but you know it's it turns very creepy very fast with them laying in bed together and you know her trying to you know she's messing with him but still there's just not like i don't see a well i think it's for these people because every group that i'm like oh i think it's this I'm like, well, there really wasn't any of that. So I don't know, you know, comedy. Well, it wasn't very funny. Seriousness. Well, it wasn't serious. You know, uh, a mystery. There is no mystery. They find out pretty damn quick where the guy comes from and then bring the overlords down. So there's just not enough of one type of movie in this to make it worth anything. I think that's where it ultimately fails the most. Okay. Uh, Dave, what don't you like about Howard the Duck? Oh man, there's so much stuff not to like about it. But um, I, the ridiculous villain voice by Jeffrey Jones. I told you, bird brain, I am not Jenning anymore. I am now one of the dark overlords of the universe. Man, I could have done without that. What you know, if if you you've done Star Wars, so bad. You, yeah, it was so bad. Just dub over his voice it's that simple you had that in the 80s come on there's there's one thing i really don't like about this movie and it's it's jeffrey jones dark overlord voice yeah uh, it's terrible it's terrible it is absolutely yeah. terrible it's so it's it's cheesy in a bad way yep you know and uh i agree with you like if you would have dubbed him mm -hmm. uh, with anything it would have been better it yeah. would have definitely been better uh, Alec, what uh, what doesn't work about this movie? I mean, to Cameron's point, it it doesn't pick a lane. It tries to be seven different movies at once, and it it almost feels like 
like a family guy clip show kind of thing where it's like and suddenly he's now trying to get a job and then yes. he's doing this like <laughs> none of the i feel like the scenes as a whole aren't a cohesive part like none of the things really work into the next thing so the 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 bathhouse doesn't really work in this in the story of the movie mm-hmm. the uh car chase really doesn't add anything or move the story along in any kind of meaningful way and even though the the plane sequence later is cool it's just another i feel like it's, they're just time fills it's just okay we got okay this is going to be an hour and 40 minute movie we got oh crap we're like 40 minutes short uh okay let's throw in a car chase let's throw in you know a plane stunt and that'll get us over the line like i feel like it just it didn't know where it wanted to go and it just mm-hmm. kind of meandered the whole way scott i know this is not going to be easy but uh what don't you like about Howard the Duck? Uh, I think it comes down to, aside from everything that's already been said, totally agree. Uh, it sums up in the phrase, look, it's a duck. There are so many times when they just seem to just fixate on, well, it's going to seem funny and hilarious because it's a duck in the human world. And they just yeah. play on that gag so much. And I feel like it probably would have played a little bit better if everybody would have just taken it in stride. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's some weirdo walking around and maybe he's in a duck costume. Maybe it's an alien. I don't really care. I just have to get to the bar or to a coffee shop or whatever. And it just seems to try to bank on the fact that people are going to think it's goofy and zany hilarious because it's a duck in a human's world. But that comedy doesn't play very long. And um, it does get very confused as to what kind of a movie it wants to be. I know what movie I want it to be, which is more like a, a James Gunn kind of a you know take on it, mm-hmm. uh, but it never gets there. It tries to be a family movie, it just doesn't hit. Undoubtedly, one of Earth's greatest minds here. Well, gentlemen, I would uh, I know I could probably go. We could, we we could probably go another hour or two just talking about what we don't like, uh, but rather than do that, uh, I think we should just waddle on over to the '86 breakdown. <laughs> There's the puns. You knew was, I was I was holding on to that one. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So first question. Let's talk about the the Razzie, the Golden Raspberry Awards in 1987. Um, two films sweep through most of the categories and ultimately tie for worst picture of 1986. So I'm going to ask you, because uh, Howard the Duck tied with under the cherry moon the the mm-hmm. the terrible prince movie um is this the worst movie of 1986 no under the cherry moon's the worst movie of 86 this is get a little a nudge above that above that one uh i haven't seen under the cherry moon so uh, <laughs> oh my friend it's great you should see it oh, yeah, yeah wonderful um <laughs> In the absence of uh, that, I mean, I'll just take you guys at your word for it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Alec, voting by proxy. Uh, he's 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 with Dave, and uh, I'll tell tell you, Alec, and anyone else listening. You, uh, if you have HBO Max, you can currently see Under the Cherry Moon and and make up your own minds. Um, I think Howard the Duck is playing. It's streaming on Stars, but uh, 
I'll just plug uh, Amazon Prime one last time. Get that get that 4K Blu-ray. Like me and somebody Scott, else buy it because it's, <laughs> it's awesome. Be the Alarms other person. went off at Amazon when you when you made the purchase yeah. and they're like, "We got one, we got one, we got one." Yeah, it's the it's only like, package delivered with balloons and streamers. And there's a parade it was, outside. Jeff Bezos it was showed like, up to hand deliver it to you. Yeah, right. Alec is. It, it was like Janine in the in the Ghostbusters uh, headquarters. Yeah. She's <laughs> we got one. Slams her hand down. Yep. Cameron is Howard the Duck, the worst movie of 1986. Also, thank God, have not seen this under the cherry moon, but it looks really, really bad. Uh, I love Prince, rest in peace, but geez, that looks bad. So I'm going to say they're both terrible um, and uh, give them a tie since I can't, you know, oh, this just looks terrible. The tra- the trailer started playing and oh my God, what is going on? Oh, Prince so looks good on. in it, though, man. I gotta say, yeah. Prince got I mean, he's got his swag. I like I don't well, know. so. No, I'm, I'm not watching it though. Okay, <laughs> all no right, disrespect Scott. to the music of Purple Rain, but when you hear that there's a movie that's worse than Purple Rain for story and dialogue, you know you're in for a ride. I got that's give, a good point. I gotta give hey, it man. to Under the Cherry Moon. I have sure. not actually seen Under the Cherry Moon. I've just seen enough clips of Under the Cherry Moon to know that it's worse than Howard the Duck. I uh well listen, you're all off the hook because uh Jason Colvin from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast will be joining me this Friday to discuss <laughs> Under the Cherry Moon. Uh it started off honestly, uh Scott, I we start this started off way earlier this year kind of like as a joke we kept referencing under the cherry moon and uh jason even did it uh once with us and then it became this thing like wait worst week ever let's 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 cover them both so i'll uh i'll save you guys from under the cherry moon much like i'll save jason from howard the duck but uh moving on let's talk prequel sequel remake um you know dave you've got this property and you're gonna you gotta do something with it. So, what, what's what's your uh, what's your take? What's your pitch? I, I really think we're all gonna probably have a very similar answer uh, to this one. Uh, clearly, we're going to remake this because we're gonna put this one in the coffin and, and nail it shut and never want to see it again when we do the remake. Um, Scott's already mentioned I want James Gunn uh, to be in charge of making this um, because he's already proven himself with Guardians of the Galaxy and he's already proven himself with the Peacemaker. So I know he can do really good rated R material. Uh, Guardians is not, but Peacemaker is. And I want to see this as rated R. I want to see this uh, like Deadpool because I know they have a lot of very similarities. So that's the movie I want to see done. Uh, a rated R version. Keep, keep it close to the comic books, um, you know, where he is the uh, gumshoe. You know, he's doing the investigating. He's, uh, so I want to see that, but definitely in the hands of James Gunn. Okay. And are you going with the, uh, are, are we keeping this MCU canon? Like you want the, oh, the, yeah. uh, okay. All right. Oh, yeah, just, just checking. Yep. Just checking. Uh, Alec sequel, prequel remake. The remake, um, mine's a little different. I want to go animated Ooh, and okay. a TV okay. show. Uh, one, just because you can kind of get more characters in there, but on top of that, it lets Marvel get through some of the ownership issues they have with characters. So for like Spider-Man, if the episodes are under a certain length, they own the rights to it Mm. instead of uh, Sony. 
That's really weird. So yeah, it's it's a whole weird. Con- I've I've read too many like contracts as a comic book nerd. To- <laughs> but so with with animated, a you can get real crazy with it, which he's always interacting with a lot of really weird characters. And so you know sometimes that stuff doesn't always translate well to live action. But also, like I said, you can get all these different heroes that he can interact with a lot easier than you know getting all the the MCU actors in one space. They can record these lines from their you know from their bathroom and then send them in. Okay. But I'd, I'd like that, like a nice, uh, you know, 10, 12 episode seasons for Howard the Duck. That'd be fun. I like it. Uh, Cameron, do we want to see Howard show up on Disney plus maybe, maybe show up on, uh, on She-Hulk or do you got an idea for, for a good movie for him? I'm assuming uh, we're, t- we're talking remake. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. No way that I'm <laughs> doing any of the others. Uh, I, I think She-Hulk is the perfect place for him to show up honestly and uh you know go from there to his own tv show you know i i agree completely with you know both alec and david but i i think that would be perfect for him to show up because in the comic that i read today him his office and she hulk's office are right next door to each other and you know you can get some really good stuff from that with like um her assistant has a monkey named hey hey and hey hey and rock uh not rocket um howard hate each other and so you know you could get some really good stuff with that but um i want a tv show that's rated r i completely agree james gunn needs to be the main person i think he would be great i don't love seth green as the voice it seems Mm -hmm. like he's trying too hard for it to be robot chicken i don't love that but um I actually don't know who I would pick for the voice right now. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. Like John Ham. Oh, I would love Ooh, John Ham. Actually, that is perfect. Yeah, I'm okay with that. But yeah, the and you know, I would love to see Rocket show up. The Guardians as a whole, but Rocket, you know, in the comics, him and Rocket are are good friends that always, you know, get into trouble together and and go on cool adventures. And you know, it it could just be a weekly this week he solves this crime this week he solves this crime and you know he gets into his standard hijinks and you know keep it 30 minutes even and i think it could be a great show you know not every show has to be you know daredevil where it's the stakes are high and dark Mm -hmm. and grit like you know that's one thing i really like about she hulk that i've seen a lot of people not like you know i i want something that's just light and fun and doesn't matter you know and I think Howard the Duck would be perfect for that, where it just is fun, mindless, dumb stuff. Uh, well, I'm totally on board with everything that's already been said. I'm already <laughs> kind of like picturing the shows in my head kind of working out. I would be interested to see. Um, I think Kevin Smith was involved with some kind of Howard the Duck project at some point, And I know that Leah Thompson wanted to direct. Um, I'd be interested to see what that's like. If we're going to have a Duckiverse where, you know, uh, there's several different Howard's running out there um i'd like to see what the two of them do together uh for the character um i would like to see the howard character be more of a detective and i totally agree like if she hulk is going to be the high profile um heart of the city kind of you know people that can afford the 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 expensive law firms to kind of represent their cases maybe we see howard take the ones that are a little bit more um street level kind of cases and um you still get some cameos by some uh 
some great Marvel characters, some kind of deep cuts in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, just turn it into a show that that's fun, but has a little bit of a um, serious story to be able to follow. All right. Well, I know Alec has admittedly said he was he's a little too young for the the original Nintendo Entertainment System, but we're still going to talk Nintendo Face Off. So, Dave, I'm going to start with you. What what character from this movie would you invite over? And more importantly, what game are you playing on the original Nintendo? Well, I'm going to cheat a little bit. Um, I'm not going to pull a character. I'm actually going to pull George Lucas um, and I'm going to be playing with him. And we're gonna be uh, playing Duck Hunt. <laughs> that's that's it's kind of harsh. It is. You want to? Yeah. Because that's Duck what Hunt. he did. That's what he did to this movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, Cameron, um, who are you inviting over, and what game are you playing? I want it to be Leah Thompson so bad, and just whatever game. I don't care what game. Just sit with me. But I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm going to say Howard the Duck, and I want to put on Darkwing Duck um, just so he knows that this is what a real superhero duck is like, you asshole. Make him feel bad about himself. Darkwing Duck is a shit. Oh, well. Uh, Scott, who, you, which character are you inviting over? What game are you going to play? Uh, well, I'm going to give uh, Howard a slice of home, and we're going to play DuckTales 2. Good call. Oh, nice. Good, Good call. One of the best Capcom Disney Afternoon it's just fantastic yeah <laughs> all right well speaking of fantastic i i feel like we've had a fantastic conversation about a film that maybe isn't as fantastic as we had hoped but uh for what it's worth i i, I dig it i have fun with it um you know so check it out if you haven't seen it um and just a reminder uh yeah we're, we're kicking off uh september worst week ever uh, and this is kind of like a collaboration month. So, you know, uh, we're started off with uh, Comically Unaware. Uh, Cam, Alec, thank you for coming back once more. Because I know the first two times we talked about movies that you guys liked or thought were cool. And you, you guys were good sports about this one. So I appreciate that. Thanks we're for having masochists. We, yeah. we, we, we <laughs> tend to thrive under the under the bad ones. Yep. Yeah. Mm. That's where we live right here down in the dirt. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, can you uh, can you tell us where 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 can we hear Comic Land Aware uh, and maybe what what you got coming up? Yeah, so we're um, you know Comically Unaware on all social media. We're on you know uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the whole thing. Um, coming up, we are doing a, a deep dive into Heroes for Hire, uh, Luke Cage and Power Man. We're gonna be talking about them and a new run that they had recently. Nice, cool, nice. And while we've got you guys. Uh, and I think I know where the answer is going to go just based on Cameron's earlier comments, but um, She-Hulk, is this something that uh, people need to be watching? Cause, cause I, I think it's awesome. I like it. Uh, what, what's your, you guys are the experts there. They're like, what's your take? Are they, are they good? To the, are they good with the source material? Are they, are they making you guys happy? Yeah, so far. I mean, I've been, I've been happy with it. I think it's holding true as well as they can like mm -hmm. you know mcu they make some minor changes but i feel like for the most part they're they're good about keeping the core of what that character is and i think i think they've done that with she hulk too yeah definitely she's um she seems very much more true to the source material than you know some of the ones that we've gotten in the past you know she hulk is very funny very jokey very you know just kind of crazy stuff here and there and so 
Um, I feel like they've done a pretty good job. I like it so far. I need to watch the newest episode. I haven't seen it yet, but the the first two I really enjoyed. So yeah, I, I think definitely people should check it out. All right, awesome. Uh, Dave Scott, thank you both uh, for joining us today. Uh, it was always it's always it's always fun with you guys. Always fun. Yep, likewise. Yeah. All right, uh, listeners, uh, stick around because, like I said, this Friday we have a bonus episode. Jason Colvin from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast will be joining me to discuss Under the Cherry Moon uh, so we can finally figure out which is the truly the worst film of of 1986 because it sounds like right now the vote is definitely being cast for Under the Cherry Moon. Uh, And then later in the month, I've got uh, Dayton Johnson from Docking Bay 77. Uh, He'll be joining me and uh, we, uh, we got some other fun stuff coming your way. So, uh, we will see you next time. Book him, Jacko.